<laughs> okay, cool. Well, what's gonna, the weed sitch in Montana okay. like? Do you guys are you guys getting medical back, or do you still have that up there? Or? Uh, it's a real clusterfuck, man. Um, I think that medical is back, uh-huh. and there are at least, I mean, there are three shops that have opened up in the last six months that are medical and also sell CBD stuff. Okay. So, I mean, it must be legal now okay? because it, it was, and then some shops opened up and then it wasn't, and then they closed. Mm-hmm. And now a few years later, they've opened back up. Um, so, I mean, is, is it like you have to have a debilitating disease or is it like you can go in there and say to my doctor, I've got throat crunch and they give me the prescription. <laughs> I, need, I need weed, man. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> throat crunch. Uh, right. <laughs> I got crunched throat. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Cl- clinical, <laughs> clinical throat crunch. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> uh, well, I think that was part of the problem when it first got passed here. When, because uh, I remember that happened shortly after I moved here. There were co- like they held, they were opening up the conference room in the Holiday Inn downtown, and they were allowing you to basically Skype a fucking doctor. Awesome. Not That's exactly what was happening. So That's you could go, like they had computers set up. And you would just like, there were all these tables with computers. You'd get directed to a computer, sit down and be like, I don't know, I fucking can't sleep or whatever. And the doctor would be like, yeah, sounds legit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, and they were just stroking these things left and right. And I think because they were just like <laughs> handing these things out, mm-hmm. it was clearly, you know. A mill. It was obviously a racket. Yeah. <laughs> I think because of that, uh, it got cracked down on. Sure. Um, so I don't know what it's like now, but I don't think there are, you know, Skype doctors <laughs> right. telling you you speak weed anymore. Well, um, hey, man, if you live I, out in the backcountry or whatever, like in those rural areas, you know, that would make sense and stuff, you know. Well, absolutely. And that's, I think, where it came from is uh, there was some law written about teleconferencing a, a doctor you know that they could prescribe things to you <laughs> so and i think they basically just took advantage of that as a it. you know it was kind of like in nebraska we had a situation where everyone here is so pro-life that they're like in order to prevent abortions we're gonna have a safe haven drop place so you could drop babies off at like fire stations and police stations and shit like that but people then started dropping off like teenagers from like all over the country and shit. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, dude, I can't handle this kid. Like I've got six yeah, kids. Dude, they, they, they come <laughs> so, down with the, from like Michigan with like a 15 year old and just drop them off at a fire station. Seriously. Before they could abuse medical marijuana stipulations, you know, they were abusing kids, <laughs> kid drop offs. Uh, yeah. That is, if that weren't so heartbreaking, it would be fucking hilarious. I know, right? Like, I know, right. <laughs> like, I'm fucking done with this kid, man. Well, my, I mean, my favorite one to add onto that pile is when Nebraska uh, passes constitutional amendment against gay marriage, but it was so poorly written, it literally outlawed any legal relationship between any two people of the same sex. So, like, <laughs> right. it was constitutionally illegal for, like, a father and son to go into business together or like you know for, for uh, like two business partners to open a yeah. uh like a bank account or something like that our unofficial motto is better safe than sorry in all situations you know? like. 
<laughs> they said they're business partners, but they might have been making out. You never Seriously. know. <laughs> Keep away from It's a other. front. Yeah. It's a make out front. You know, they're at, they're in the back. <laughs> they're like, they got a business load just so that they can make out in the back. <laughs> it's like, dude, where'd you come up with this? I've read a lot of forums where this kind of thing is, you know, very popular reading. I mean, I don't know. I did research, market research. You are listening to the Liquid Flannel Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chuck Williams. Joining me in Arlington, Texas is the great Matthew Hodges. Matt, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. You know, it's a it's a week of Jubilee. Uh, the Reverend Billy Graham died. So, um, you know, the, the national holiday was announced. And um, yeah, I've been I've been enjoying. Wait, is, there, is there a national holiday? For that? <laughs> or, or you're celebrating. I got gotcha. you. I'm just glad. Uh, you I've know, got mixed it's, emotions. It's, I think it's I think it's I think it's not maybe the best thing to wish death on somebody. But I think you can absolutely celebrate oh, when somebody who's been so horrible to so many people just is gone and we don't have to deal with them anymore. The views of our Texas co-host do not reflect the views <laughs> of the rest of Liquid Flannel in any way, shape or form. No, just kidding. And any endorsements by the radical right. No, I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> I got to stop kidding. Um, Brendan's gone again. Uh, he is doing some work actually down in Texas, isn't he? Um, yeah, I think that's right. Um, okay. But I'm not sure we're going to be able to get together. I think they've got him pretty busy right now. Is he in Dallas or? Uh, somewhere. Yeah, he's in okay. He's in the really fancy, rich neighborhood uh, over uh, in Dallas. Yeah, dude, you can't go there. Right, no. <laughs> they won't let you in. <laughs> they actually check your papers. And <laughs> they drive paper, up their I like, mean, bank statements. What's your business here, sir? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, you know, we're not going to. <laughs> leave Brendan on the hook for filling out that third seat for us. We've got a great guest on the line as usual. Matt, why don't you let everyone know who we've got this week? Yeah, sure. So uh, we were really excited to have uh, Missouri Governor uh, Eric Greitens on the show oh, this week. <laughs> right. He was, he was going to be our guest, but uh, for some reason he was uh, detained, to, or I, I guess otherwise occupied was what I meant to say, not detained. <laughs> uh, uh right no but actually who we have on the show is a, an old friend of mine who's doing some great work out in missoula montana mark wayne mark thanks for joining us hey yeah, man, thanks welcome. for having me guys excellent yeah dude so we had we had just started to talk about what mark is doing out in missoula um so i i think just hearing it in his own words and we can we can talk to him about that a little bit uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, Garden City Harvest and and the work that you do with them. Sure. Yeah, uh, Garden City Harvest is a local nonprofit here in Missoula. Um, they have a lot of different arms, but the general mission is to uh, build community through sustainable agriculture. Um, and again, like I said, a lot of different arms. That looks a lot of different ways. There's community gardens, um, neighborhood farms. Yeah, Mark and I actually met uh, when I was going to grad school there in Missoula. He was an undergrad, and we both did an internship at one of the community gardens there, uh, the Peas Farm, and worked yep. there all summer um, raising uh, raising all sorts of just great uh, organic produce and, and some uh, proteins as well. Uh, and nice. that, that was actually kind of where you got your foot in the door to do the work that you're doing now, right? 
Absolutely it is. Yeah. Um, so now I'm working, I'm the youth manager at the youth farm. So one of the kind of arms that garden city harvest has is youth development. And, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> how I got my foot in the door there was when we, you and I worked together on the peas farm, they have, a, a youth development program. there called the youth harvest project. They work with at-risk teens that are referred to them usually through Missoula drug court. Um, mm-hmm. And they work with them on the farm just to uh, that program is actually more therapeutic than where I work. And I'll get into that. But um, they and, when you say, therap- and when you say they work there, this isn't um, people might be picturing something like court ordered community service. But no. the, the teenagers that we were working with at the Peace Farm, they were actually hired. They had to apply to the yeah. job and they were getting paid all summer to do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. They they get referred there by drug court. Like if uh if their case managers think that they would be a good fit, um, you know, there are different ways that could happen, but they get referred there. They don't have to work there. It's not part of community service and they get paid. Um, it's a job for them. Yeah. So mm. which they, yeah, they were making more money than either you or I were when we were at the firm. <laughs> well we were we, we paid were to paid be there. to be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, they have they have a more therapeutic focus um, because the kids that they work with don't have a support system, generally speaking. Uh, whereas where I work, the youth farm, um, which is one of our neighborhood farms here in town, we work specifically with kids that are in foster care. Mm-hmm. So the 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 youth that we work with generally have case managers and they have access to therapy usually mandated therapy uh, up to a certain point anyway mm-hmm. they have uh, all kinds of staff they have all kinds of resources so when they come to us we're generally trying to we we pay them as well but we're trying to give them a break from feeling institutionalized mm-hmm. um, and also teach them job skills uh, other things as well you know social skills and just we try to model good behavior in general but um, mm-hmm. the big focus is just giving them a break from being institutionalized and teaching them um, relevant job skills that they can take out into the world. <clears throat> I think that's such a cool thing. The idea that, you know, these, the, the kids who are participating in these programs um, that garden city harvest has gone out of its way to make it feel like it's not a forced thing. Uh, like you said, that they're not institutionalized, that they have agency in doing that. Yeah, um, absolutely. I've got to imagine that that's, that's a huge mental impact on these kids, you know, when pretty much every other part of their life is dictated to them, you will be working this many hours. Uh, I don't know what cleaning cop cars or picking up trash or whatever, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, that's one of the things too. Um, you know, we've had kids come out and do community service on the farm before, but we try to uh, limit that, we really try to separate it from all of that, you know, all of the mandated stuff that they have to do. And, and like right. you just alluded to, or just, you said their lives are so structured from the minute that they get up in the morning, you know, every mm-hmm. single thing that they do is so structured that, um, it's just really nice for them to have a break. And I hate to use the word, but to like, just to feel like normal teenagers for a little while, sure, you know, yeah. and have expectations, you know, to show up to work on time and, mm-hmm. you know, participate in everything. Um, I think just being treated like normal kids is 
a huge positive and it's yeah you know, it sucks that that's the case but mm-hmm. well it, it also helps that uh you know just from my own experience with the organization i know that so many of the people who work for garden city harvest are they're really cool um kind of like progressive younger ish people um who can still relate to um somebody who you know their their life is kind of uh you know on it's on the rails but kind of kind of rough going you know yeah Um, yeah absolutely and and i know we saw that a lot that that one summer we worked together where we had it was three or four teenagers who came out and at the beginning of the summer it was obvious that all of them had they they kind of opted for this thing, but they didn't really want to be there. And by the yeah. end of the summer, you got these these four really engaged, curious people <laughs> who were you know volunteering for extra tasks because because they're working with you know a bunch of college students and grad students and um, young adults, uh, you know, cool like bearded uh, bearded <laughs> farmer dudes who also are in a punk band or whatever. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the turnaround was just amazing with, with, uh, all of the kids that we worked with. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm going into my fourth season at the youth farm, you know, that's not counting all the time that I spent up on the peas farm. Mm-hmm. And I would say that, uh, almost without fail, all of the kids, like we see that in all of our, all of our employee crew, at least, because we'll, we'll employ, you know, attendance at the house that we work with most specifically fluctuates throughout the season for a lot of reasons. We'll usually employ anywhere from, you know, four to eight youth. And then we have volunteer crews come out from the other group homes that are in town okay. uh, mm-hmm. just during their summer programs. So the youth farm um, is also a group home. Your, your employees are also residents there. So the way that it works, uh, we... We share, we're basically in the backyard of the Tom Roy Youth Guidance Home. Okay. And that is for kids that are 16 to 18 um, and they're getting ready to age out of the system or for some other reason get, you know, leave the foster care system. Uh huh. Um, so while they're in residence there, you know, uh, they're preparing these kids to go out and live life on their own without all of these structures that are in place, without all this therapy, without all these. Uh, you know, this dedicated network of people that's like looking to have them succeed. Um, so they have to be prepared, like part, they have requirements to be staying there. They have to have a job while they're in residence. Um, they okay. don't have to work at the farm with us, even though we're in their backyard, they don't have to work with us. All right. But we, uh, we give them the option. Most of them take it just because of convenience. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's right there. Uh <clears throat> And, you know, they have to have a bank account, different stuff like that. But okay. so we're very closely tied with that youth home in specific. And that's where we pull most of our employee crew from. Now, the other youth homes in town, there are five, I think, off the top of my head. When school gets out, they have what's called summer program. So okay. they have to schedule things for these kids to do with their time, you know, day in and day out. and each one of those homes has one day uh, during their summer break. They'll come and work with us um, and our employee crew for three or four hours. It was a lot like our schedule up at the Peas Farm. It's basically eight or nine until you know eleven or twelve, and then we all sit down and have lunch for like an hour. And okay. we make sure that we get the kids involved in the cooking and preparing of the food. 
Um, and then that's when you kind of sit down and do like the community building and just, you know, bullshit with the kids about whatever. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I feel like there was a, an original thread there that I got lost answering another question, but. Oh yeah. I, I probably did that to you. Sorry about that. <laughs> so bitch. is this just a local <laughs> program or do they have similar types of programs in other, in other areas of the state or region? So Garden City Harvest is just a local nonprofit okay. here in Missoula. Um, okay. Yeah, I know that there are some other nonprofits around the country that are doing similar work. In fact, we've modeled some of our programs um, mm-hmm. off of you know existing nonprofit models right. um, that are doing similar youth work. Um, <clears throat> so there's some, some information there sharing between different organizations like that. Yeah, I think that there should be more, to be honest. I think a lot of it is uh I think there should be more of a dialogue around it, I guess is what I should say. A lot of sure. a lot of these organizations put their stuff out there, like curriculum and stuff like that, uh, open source, but <clears throat> I feel like it'd be nice to you know taking empirical evidence from all these different programs and combining to you know try to shore things up a little bit. Sure. Yeah, you bet. Well, I think it's so, just such a such a moving thing that uh, they're they're trying this, especially with the the youth harvest program, um, trying something that's not carceral, but instead you know really geared toward putting putting kids in contact with good role models, doing meaningful work, and having them do it on their own recognizance. Uh, so that they can take ownership of the work that they're doing. And, mm-hmm. you know, because it's so easy for people to slip through the cracks. You know, once once it's determined you're just a bad kid or a broken kid in the case of, mm-hmm. you know, fostered kids, it, you know, it's that's not an easy path either. Um, it's so easy for yeah. society to kind of write you off. Um, so I, I think that's sure. just an amazing, uh, an amazing mandate uh, to to give them, you know, something more like what a what like a regular teenager's life would be like getting, getting the summer job or the after school job. Well, yeah, well, absolutely. And I think, go ahead, go ahead. No, you, you go for it, Mark. Sorry. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of a delay. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, joys yeah. And, and I can tie this back to what I remember I was going to say earlier, you know, I would say, I don't want to speak for you, Matt, but, um, that the experience that I had up on the summer that we were at the peas farm together was, you know, I don't want to necessarily say life changing, but it was pretty important to me in my development. And so I would venture to say that these kids are getting an opportunity to have an experience that not all kids get to have. Right. And really similar to um, how Josh Slotnick, the professor up at the peas farm, talks about the college interns that are up there every season that we have the kids out on the farm, you know, you'll have kids at the start of the season that are kind of grumbling about the work, mm-hmm. grumbling about being outside. They're wearing like, you know, fresh as hell sneakers. Yeah. And, Jordan's you know, shit out there on the farm. And like getting upset that they're getting, you know, sweaty and dirty. They don't like eating the, you know, the vegetables that we have for These are my true lunch and everything. Genes. The dirty. <laughs> That's great. That shit's oh, probably so yeah, outdated right now. Rhinestones. God damn it. <laughs> right. Oh, man. 
Um, well, yeah. But by the end of the summer, the kids are, you know, they're fighting over who gets to cook lunch. They're referring mm-hmm. to it as our farm and our, you know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. totally engaged in the right. whole process. We have a mobile market, you know, that we can talk about if you guys want, where we're taking the food that we grow and taking the kids out and setting up these little farm stands for you know, marginalized communities uh, within the larger Missoula community yeah. mm-hmm. and watching them take ownership over that and stuff. It's just, uh, it's really awesome. Man, that's great. And I mean, just the exposure for these kids, like a lot of kids don't have access to farms. I mean, I grew up in Nebraska and I mean, yeah, there's farms, you know, maybe five minutes away from where I'm at, but sure. a lot of people don't, don't get that exposure to just like getting their hands in the dirt and you know by the time by the time they get acclimated to it you know they're just like every other kid you know that's something that people enjoy but uh what would you say are the biggest challenges you know i mean we know the challenges for being a kid and the situations that they're in that bring them to you but what are the challenges for you as an organization either like within the community or just in like challenges in general oh man uh, there or do you have any th- it's definitely I mean, multifaceted the okay the organization like i said has so many kind of we have our broader mission but there are so many different aspects of how they how we accomplish it you know i can speak to it better from you know specifically from a youth development perspective sure um if that would yeah yeah answer some questions absolutely yeah. um so one of the issues is funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we pay our youth employees, um, but and we've done that through a, a we're we operate as a farm uh, through the strength of a partnership between Garden City Harvest and Youth Homes, which mm-hmm. is the foster care organization in town for teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a place called the Human Resource Council that. Uh, they do a lot of work in town, uh, basically to facilitate, uh, I guess people with higher, like higher needs, maybe. Um, okay. cause I'm trying to, it's a very broad organization. They do a lot of stuff, but they help provide funding for our employees, our youth employees. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually there was, uh, with Trump getting in office, there was a huge cut to social services like that, sure. um, to, to budgets. And so we actually lost funding for our kids, I think, at the end of September this year, whereas we usually have them through October. Uh, um, wow. And then the future of that is kind of watery. So we're having to look at increasing our fundraising through Garden City Harvest and then also through Youth Homes um, so that we could have a pillow in case some of the some of this like uh, state-sponsored funding for social services and stuff runs, runs thin. Okay. Wait, it's. I mean, it's not like the government is uh, doing a just a hack and slash job on all social programs right now. I don't know what you guys are worried about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It sounds like it's just a fluke, and you know, this <laughs> a, yeah, it's the science fiction, science fantasy, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and uh, I mean, I I think it's it. The whole program is so terrific that I mean, just just on a gut level, it makes sense. And, um, hopefully we can, we can give garden city harvest a little bit of a boost here. So people are more aware of the program. We'll drop a, a link to the program 
uh, into mm-hmm. the the show description here. Um, I I can say uh, personally, yeah, Mark, I, I, your question didn't go where I thought um, because yes, I I agree with you absolutely that uh, that summer spent on the farm was um, formative for me. I mean, I, I think I developed a lot of my politics about local food systems and local agriculture uh and you know just the the strength of uh community building and local economy building while i was doing that um but i can also speak to it as as somebody who went through a juvenile uh criminal process you know and i didn't have access to that kind of thing when when that happened i got uh busted for a little bit of weed when i was in high school and you know it was the pretty standard i mean and even here like it was standard for for a white kid you know i didn't get sent to uh uh juvenile detention or anything like that but i did have my my court mandated um, community service and, uh, you know, drug rehabilitation classes and stuff that I had to go through. And it is, it's so dehumanizing, you know, and absolutely. Well, shit, man, at least you got drug rehabilitation. They sent me to DUI school and I was neither driving. (laughs) You had to like learn how to not drink and drive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> That's funny. Like, w- wait, DUI school, that that makes me think it's multiple sessions or something. Yeah, I had, I had to go. I think it was over a six-month period. I had to go once a week. Uh, I got caught with a gram of weed, and I had uh, to go. Go to DUI oh, school? Yeah, while I was camping, and uh, I had Yikes. to go. Yeah. That's the best place to have weed is camping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. How many credit hours is DUI school? It's a great question. They didn't let me transfer Are there scholarships? That. When right. I, came, I came to University of Montana, they didn't let me transfer. Yeah, I, I was going to say, it's it's a JUCO program or something, you know, it's the same, yeah. same dilemma. Well, that's, that's awesome, awesome, Mark. Thanks so much for coming on and, and talking about your work there. Uh, I think you're going to stick around with us and talk about some of these other stories. But uh, like I said, we'll we'll provide a an information link in the show description so people can check out the program for themselves. And um, thanks so much for coming on with us and, and talking about your work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Thanks for having me again. So I thought, well, we have an honest-to-goodness farmer uh, on the show. We could talk about this. This article that I found from uh, True West, True West, uh, Mm -hmm. the website, um, really cool one that uh, definitely is is from our neck of the woods. So um, this article was called Keepers of the Seed. A partnership allows the first corn huskers to save the ancient eagle corn seed. So... The story goes that when the Pawnee tribe was exiled from Nebraska to Oklahoma in the 1870s, they took with them 
the last 50 kernels of this uh, special heritage corn um, that they had grown for you mm-hmm. know generations, obviously, but just you know just had like 50 kernels of it left in a in a jar, and their keeper of the seed in Oklahoma found that they weren't able to get this corn to grow in Oklahoma, and uh, they were worried that you know this part of their heritage was going to going to die out. Um, and then the educational director of the River Road Archway in Kearney, Nebraska. Chuck, you've been out there, right? Uh, I have driven sure. under the archway, but I've never actually been yeah, in so, the archway. So what this thing is, it's a it's a big museum <laughs> that straddles I-80 out, out in Kearney. Have you ever been in it? No, I, I've never been in it myself either but yeah see and that's the problem it's like so few people have actually been in it that i think it was in trouble or at risk of closing right. down at some point but yeah i always mean to and i still do i mean it looks yeah kinda cool, yeah i think so, so. too i mean it, i think um, it's supposed to be all about you know the different uh people um who have who have been in nebraska and traveled through there and it's supposed to be sort of a bridge between you know the north plains and the south plains and the mountains and the plains so um it's it's a pretty cool right. project but the uh, educational director had been getting some complaints about how they didn't incorporate native americans enough that there wasn't enough of the exactly. the local native american heritage uh and so she approached the Pawnee tribes who are now in Oklahoma to help, you know, build up their cultural database and see, you know, what kind of stories the the museum might tell. And a big part of Pawnee culture is talking about all of the corn that they used to grow um, before the white pioneers came and, um, you know, kicked them off of their very good corn growing land, which remains very good corn growing land to this day. And she heard about this eagle corn that they had. And uh, the reason it's called eagle corn, so it's sort of a fat white kernel that's got one little blue spot on it. And as the kernels ripen, that spot expands to eventually looking like the the shapes of uh, like eagle. eagle's wings, right? Um, so they had these 50 kernels left and eventually worked out a partnership where some of that seed went back up to Nebraska and they tried one crop and it didn't work. But the second crop they planted just, uh, I think the the quote was, it just exploded out of the ground. And so now uh, a little while later, um, they've got plots of this heritage corn growing again. uh, So much in fact that, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, they were able to use this heritage corn for, um, let's see, for for a Pawnee ceremony in Oklahoma, um, made corn soup out of it. And it was basically the first time in like 125, 150 years that anyone had eaten this corn. And I, I just think it's a really cool story to bring up. It, it, it unites so much of Plains history and uh speaks to mm. you know the the benefit of saving seeds and protecting that kind of biodiversity uh i i, I thought our, oh, our yeah. audience would appreciate that Absolutely. too well you know it was interesting cuz when when you mentioned the herb you know dropped the article in in the slack channel i was reading it and i'm like sacred corn like 
I thought that I had an experience with sacred corn, which sounds weird. I guess that's that's getting pornographic. <laughs> no, um, but I looked it up. It's, the Ponca tribe also had sacred corn, and they've been using it, partnering up with ranchers to plant Ponca sacred corn on the Ponca extension of the Trail of Tears in resistance to the KXL oh, wow. pipeline. And I actually went out, you know, and was a part of that on uh, May 21st back, I think, in 2017, a year ago. And it was just pretty wild to think, man, it's kind of it's crazy that so many people, first of all, got kicked right. off their land and had to take this stuff with them. But now that it's coming back, you know, it's being used partly in resistance, but also partly in preservation of a culture, which I think is... Uh, which is vital to history and also vital to, you know, future agriculture issues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and obviously vital to these cultures that were systematically devastated over, you know, hundreds of years that, you know, maybe there's a chance that, you know, some of this can be reclaimed. Obviously not all of it can, but um, (laughs) these, these relics of what they used to have, you know, when it's, when it seeds, you know, what you just what you need is the ability to grow those seeds and you can keep that part of your culture alive. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because it's like with, uh, you know, one of our friends, I'm not going to say it, say who on the show. Right. But when the whole Washington NFL football team controversy with their with the name. I guess it's, I shouldn't say when that came around, it's been around for decades or whatever. Yeah, but, but it did, it did hit kind of a fever pitch there a couple of years ago. It did. And one of our friends' argument was, well, if we don't have this name, how are we even going to remember what's left of the Native Americans? And it's like, I would, uh, yeah, exactly. No, dude, you, you asked why I dropped out of our uh, group (laughs) me chat a long time ago. It was literally this conversation, dude. But, uh, but the dude said, you know, I mean, how are we going to remember these people if we don't have this football team, yeah, probably not as like a cartoonish and caricature of you know <laughs> exactly right. And I'm like, dude, I would much rather remember them. Well, first of all, not have to remember them for being gone, but remember them because they're here. But also yeah. remember them through stuff like this corn, you know, then like cultural yeah. things. That's cool. Uh, yeah, you bet. And you know, I, I kind of like the that note that they were the they were the first corn huskers. You know, the the Pawnee that that we yeah, we came yeah out exactly of the, the state, and everybody celebrates corn husking in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a pretty remarkable story of. Uh, well, I mean, on a lot of different levels, but it's you know defiance in the face of food injustice sure. in a lot of ways, um, and mm-hmm. then just from a purely like farm nerd standpoint, like how awesome is that? That this mm. seeds remain viable for so long. And it sounds like a remarkably uh, robust variety for that yeah. area. Um, sounds like they described it as, I think tasting like almonds and heavy cream. Yeah. Or which sounds like amazing. That, mm-hmm. that sounds, um, I, I would, I would love yeah. to try this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> sounds great. And it sounds like it grows really well. Um, seems like, yeah, it, which is exactly why it's so important to preserve these heirloom seeds and all these varieties that weren't selected for shelf stability mm-hmm. um, or glyphosate and, you know, resistance or whatever. 
yeah, tolerance yeah. to travel. Sure. You know, like bruise <laughs> right. resistant or whatever. They're actually chosen for, uh, you know, being viable for the environment and for tasting good. Yeah, for, yeah. for tasting good and also mm-hmm. for looking good. I'll, I'll drop a link to this article into the show description also because you've got to check out the picture of this corn. Yeah. It, it looks – it just looks really it's cool, gorgeous. you know, mm-hmm. um, it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, sure. what you'd see, you know, when you go to the state fair and people have grown their, their, uh, like heritage and heirloom varieties of corn and stuff, but you've never seen anything, uh, quite like this one. So yeah, I, I thought that was, I, a, I thought that was a nice story. Uh, Chuck, and as far as the, uh, Redskins yeah. go, um, bringing it a little bit closer to home, I know that, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are, you know the the conversation is is ongoing with them also because their their current jerseys do have it's it's not as uh as much of a caricature as some of the other sports logos but definitely is you know appropriative right. of native american culture and um so they're they're having conversations about that one of my my favorite suggestions i saw was uh rename them the chicago brackhawks and so somebody had posted a, a jersey with Brack from uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast on the front, and and oh, on Jesus. the on the shoulders oh, instead okay. of having the uh, like the cross tomahawks, it was Zorak uh, crossing his arms. So yeah. I was thinking something completely inappropriate there. <laughs> I'm not even okay. going to repeat. It. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know it would be cool if the Huskers like instead of doing a throwback uniform did a uniform that was more Native American based one year and had that be like the original Yeah, Husker absolutely. Type of I deal. love it. So, you know, that would be pretty badass, but Absolutely. All right, we'll, we we will at Huskers football <laughs> uh, um and make sure they they hear our suggestion. <laughs> yep. Cool. Hey, my alma mater dropped their uh Native American misappropriations back in the 70s, <laughs> so, you know, we were yeah, very progressive. A little bit, a little bit ahead of the the curve. To oh, sad dude, things sure. to say, but we were trend. UNO was trendsetters. That was the trendsetting school. Mm. We don't get a lot of credit for that. So cool. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for thanks for this. Letting me share this little piece of uh, history and cool food projects going on. Um, I I think. Uh, yeah, dude, that was a great Chuck, article. Chuck made a Thank Chuck made sure. a joke about pornography a little bit ago, and I I think we do yes. have. A couple of stories to round out the episode that are that are of, of a more pornographic nature. So um, maybe we'll take. I was gonna say shout out to Ren and Stimpy there for that beautiful <laughs> joke. Uh, I can't I can't take full credit for that. That's throwback for all you old heads out so there. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll take a little break and then uh, finish out the episode with with some some more salacious stories for you. You know it. Awesome. <laughs> Stimpy, 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 Stimson, Stimpy, Mr. Cat, Mr. The Cat, the Cat, the Cat. Hork! The latest issue of Husk! For the adult corn lover. Can't wait to try it out. Stimpy! Don't come in here! Come on, man! I got important business! Ha <laughs> 
Yeah, I think we should start out with the more bizarre of the two. Okay, you know, or or should or should we save the bizarre to try to bring it out a little bit? Higher? I think I think the bizarre is is a, a more fun high note at least because because it's just so out there. Whereas this other one is, mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit uglier, right? So, uh, yeah, uh-huh. I, I mentioned it at the the top of the show though, but uh, Missouri Governor Eric Greitens was arrested today um taken and booked there's a mugshot of him going around and this all has to do with i mean just a really skeevy i mean just disgusting behavior where so a few years ago he was having an affair with a staffer i mean that's bad enough uh but apparently at some point during this affair he had the the gal tied up a little bit and i i don't know the the indictment says, you know, in a state of partial undress or something uh, and blindfolded and took a picture of her and then apparently used that picture or the threat of that picture. Uh, it's it's alleged to ensure her sci- her silence, which is also known as, you know, blackmail. Um, that's li- that's like some fraternity shit, right? Yeah, there, absolutely. You know? I mean, yeah, just- <laughs> that's like how you get initiated into a gang. It's <laughs> like some sex gang shit, right? And I wasn't meaning to laugh earlier, but I looked at his mugshot picture here, and I'm sorry, you know, I'm always the guy that says, "Now I'm not one to body shame," <laughs> but and then goes into it, you know, which is a horrible person, and I I'm trying to work on that as my New Year's resolution. Sure that I make post Chinese New Year's. But this dude, he's got like a super villain eye going on. He does. Like one eye is like partially closed. It's like one eye is taking you seriously and one eye is plotting to kill you or something. Like I'm really glad that you said something here? about it because I really wanted to, but decided that I wasn't right. crazy ass. It's like somebody hit you in the back of the head and your eyes almost jump out the skull. Yeah, you, dude, it's okay for you to be above it. I let people I let people be up there because man, what is going on here? Right. That dude You know what's funny is if he if he grew a little like it looks like he's kind of graying, if he grew a little half beard, mm-hmm. he would look a lot like Mike Cernovich. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and you know what would I think it would be sweet to be on house arrest in a governor's mansion. <laughs> I think that would that would be the dopest shit possible. That would be that would be like some house of representing type stuff, you know, like from idiocracy or something. Dude, we got to work on a sequel. Yeah, so uh, it, if it wasn't so prophetic. Well, and and that's interesting too because he's saying, I mean, his his lawyer saying this is all completely made up. We're going to fight these charges. Meanwhile, obviously, right. a lot of people in Missouri are calling for him to step down. And yeah. and meanwhile, even Republicans are going like, well, it might go to the state House of Representatives to actually impeach him, because obviously, even with that kind of allegation, if if there's, you know, a credible read and a grand jury found that it was, you know, a credible Charge. What he's actually being charged with is the uh, Missouri invasion of privacy statute, which says you can't take embarrassing photos of somebody. It's basically the the revenge porn law. Um, Give me that little miss invasion of the privacy snatchers. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. You can't take embarrassing photographs of somebody uh, without their consent. And because he 
apparently it like transmitted he probably like emailed it to a different computer or something like that um that escalates the charge from a misdemeanor to a felony um so i mean this Whoa. this could be you know jail time uh for this so um yeah what's he facing like what amount of i mean dude honestly let's be real i don't think he's gonna go to jail or right anything, yeah but uh that's crazy that's uh to be a governor <laughs> and to be in that situation, I can't imagine it. Yeah, so. sure. But, I mean, you know, I, I think all of this follows along the same lines as, um, you know, Lamar Smith or uh, Blake Farenthold, uh, Al, sure. Al Franken, you know, uh, men in yeah. positions of political power who abuse no, their I'm position. I'm sorry. I, you know? I'm stupid for even saying it like that. I can't believe this could be a government. Like, it could be fucking, It could be anybody. Yeah, course, I mean, but man. we like, we'd like to you think have to that, catch yourself. Yeah, sure. We'd like to think yeah. that our elected reps are are above this thing, but I think that's you know, right. That's part of the problem. They've got this this power, <laughs> yeah. and they they do end up abusing it. And you know, absolutely, a a governor could ruin somebody's life if they were a you know involved in state politics or a, a state civil servant or something like that. Well, uh, speaking of abusing power, you know, a man in Lincoln, Nebraska, was <laughs> abusing his parolee power. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> which I don't even think you like have a lot of power. In fact, I think you're a parolee is like the absence of power or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, this That's guy was wanting to take take things into his own hands, and the kinds of things may shock you, but <laughs> so this dude, a uh, Lincoln police. Earlier this week, arrested a parolee uh, after investigators say he pawned stolen jewelry and electronics and had stolen sex toys and stripper clothes in his apartment. <laughs> so, you know, this dude was uh, arrested on suspicion of theft by receiving stolen property. Um, a woman had reported that someone kicked in the door to her apartment and the burglar took seven grand like seven thousand eight hundred dollars in items including and this is this is the crazy part that you know like yes you know a guy guy robs stripper isn't a thing that would necessarily (laughs) make it onto the show but this right this upcoming detail is you know this is this not your typical (laughs) rob a stripper type story i have so many questions about that you know like how many sex toys were there i don't when I picture seventy eight hundred dollars worth of sex toys, that's a lot of sex toys. Well, Unless they're like really high end. Or... It was. Did he have a wheelbarrow? It was actually like five thousand dollars <laughs> of packaged sex toys. So maybe uh, the rest of them were unpackaged. See, it, but, I was uh... just, I was just picturing him. You know, like trying to escape from an apartment complex, holding like armloads of dildos, and they're like falling on the ground behind him, like bouncing around. <laughs> Dude, you know, yeah, he's, like, like stops just like one up, and he drops two more, and, like slips over one. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, also was taken was uh, a camera, right? a camera, a purse, a TV, and jewelry. In addition to the five thousand dollars worth of packaged sex toys, right? So, how long did this uh, robbery last? <laughs> you, <laughs> seriously, I mean, usually robbery, it's like you you might be in your Halloween mode where you have pillowcases or something. And I'm not speaking from experience. I've got a wild imagination. I've watched a lot of uh, cable television. Oh, sure, yeah, but 
but otherwise it's like you're jamming shit into your pockets i'm assuming <laughs> and i just don't think that you could jam like five thousand dollars worth of sex right. toys in your pocket unless maybe it's like the chanel that's what or I'm the saying. Prada of sex yeah. toys. I, I can think like, of I can yeah. think of one <laughs> way that you could carry. I can think of one way that you could carry at least one more dildo and one more flashlight, but it's not pretty, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spell it out, dude. If it's diamond encrusted, would that mean that it's like conflict dildos from like Western <laughs> Africa? You know, <laughs> these dildos were these sex toys were mined in the mines. You know. Kanye saw a picture of a shorty armless oh started <laughs> right. So I'm okay. I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to understand what he was even thinking. I mean, dude, you know, it, obviously you right. you burglarize a house, you steal, you know, you steal a TV and a laptop and a camera and a purse. No. You know, like that's jewelry you can pawn. What did he think you, he was going to do with all the sex toys? You you didn't go back far enough. Robert, like parolee, <laughs> there the, you start there. Right? Yeah. Okay. At, don't figure out like he's a parolee, and he's gonna kick in the stripper's door and start stealing stuff. Right. And then be like, "Whoa, man, I can cat, I can capitalize on these sex toys." <laughs> and he was, he didn't try to pawn off the sex toys. He tried to pawn off the camera and the purse and the electronics. Right. But he kept the sex toys and the stripper clothes. They found those in his apartment, right? Yeah. Was he trying to start his own like spin-off company or something? I, I mean, with the, with the sex toys, I, I almost wanted to be where he, you know, he just saw some like shipping crates, and he was like, "I don't know what's in here, but I'm sure it's valuable." So he like, he you know, okay. like real yeah, quickly, yeah. he's like loading up his car. He's got a couple of boxes <laughs> worth of stuff, and he gets home and opens them up. And he's like, "Dildos." It's just dil. You know, there was there was finally time. Uh, seriously. I mean, at that point, if that's me, I'm I'm gonna find the one organization that I want to stick it to and just mail them all to them. Right? Or oh, absolutely. Like, just just do something. Look, I wouldn't it. spend the money on it, but if I ended up with several crates full of dildos, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a resource you can use. Uh, there's a exactly. lot of yeah, stuff sure. you can do with that, you know. <laughs> you could definitely attract people's attention somewhere, you know. So. Get your uh, your avant garde art project where you make like some other some other sculpture out of it, you know the like right. the fearless girl sculpture in uh, like on Wall Street, except made completely out of rubber dicks, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and aren't. <laughs> You'd think that this was all in a package that was, like, marked. Although, I'm sure you probably don't have it, like, written, like, sex toy shop or something, like, on the package <laughs> right. that has, like, a box full of dildos. I'm sure they're pretty... Pretty discreet, <laughs> you imagine yeah. It, it's, like, a box, but it has, like, the penthouse plastic that so you can't see it in the gas station or whatever, <laughs> like, the cover... Just like over the whole, it box. yeah, it comes in a, a big <laughs> sleeve. <laughs> yeah, talk about bizarre. But I mean, it's like you know, you're already you're already on parole, but you're like, give me some more, right? You know, I I haven't had enough yet. <laughs> well, and Reminds also, me I mean, Buster obviously, this this violates his parole, which means he's going back to prison and for right. stealing dildos. How's that? How's that conversation going to go? You know, in the canteen, and somebody's like, "Yeah, what are you in for?" He's like, I violated my my parole. Oh, what'd you do? I, like, you know, let's just. I kicked a bitch's yeah. door down. <laughs> I took a bunch of stuff. They're like, what'd you take from her? You know, jewelry. Oh, you know, 
dildos. Just, just a whole, whole, whole bunch. Wholesale merchandise. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. How I can't decide whether we should be playing like how bizarre or like Buster Rhymes. Give me some more. Right. In the episode. (laughs) We'll figure something out. That's great. (laughs) Well, that might be a good place to wrap it up here. That's about the highest note we had this week, I think. Yeah. (laughs) In spite of everything, that's that's a good place. That's a good place. So uh, but we definitely wanted to thank you for coming on, Mark. And uh, thanks for having me, guys. Give the audience. Yeah, thanks again, and let the audience know where they can find you and shout out uh, the organization again. That'd be great. Yeah, so uh, the organization is Garden City Harvest. I think they're on social media as uh, at GC Harvest. Um, mm-hmm. And then did you tell me to put my stuff out there? I, you kind of broke up a little bit there. Yeah, dude, you should do that. You're about to get famous. Oh, my God. I'm so ready for this. You know, <laughs> I really feel like this is my right. calling. and. I'm just gonna yeah dude as soon as this episode goes out I am gonna kiss this farming and social work bullshit goodbye and uh, (laughs) get myself some diamond encrusted dildos and yeah we'll we'll give you we'll give you a cut of our sweet patreon and yeah you You drop that bedazzled pitchfork you know (laughs) on your boss's desk and say I'm out of here yeah (laughs) absolutely Uh, I'm on Instagram at at parkcw and uh I don't really use Twitter anymore. I, I sure. tell you off the Dude, top you're of a wise man. <laughs> cool. No, that's great. You're a wise man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, you, it, you don't want to be there. It's awful. It's, yeah, it got to be too much. When I found myself getting oh, like, yeah. angry at my phone or my computer too often, it was oh, time yeah. to limit exposure. Right. One of these days, we're going to have to jump over to the Instagram for the audience and stuff. Uh... You're probably already over there, but I'm not extremely online yet, so I'm like baby steps and started in Twitter. Yeah, which is uh, which I'm is like, too bad because I yeah. think people would have loved to see the the build photos from the truly excellent recording booth that you've got. At that this is point. pretty rad. Man. <laughs> That's right. Excellent. He's got yeah, the the absolutely. lights up in the background. Seriously, I want to get. You need to get one of those scrolling marquees, you know, that you can program with uh, all sorts of different uh, messages for when we start doing our, <laughs> our live video streams. <laughs> get the uh, ticker tape go LED going around Absolutely. with like, stock quotes yeah. and shit. That would be, <laughs> dude, that'd be the wildest uh, Twitch stream for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, you know, the audience knows they can find us on iTunes and uh, rate us over there. But you can also find us on uh, Twitch and definitely follow Brendan at Brendan Williams with one L and you can find me at Shaggy2Trope and Matt where are you at? I'm at Matt the Goit with a W Alright thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah thanks again Mark Thank you guys. Later. Yeah thanks Mark <laughs> <laughs>